AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The grain and soy markets have resumed their penchant for softening. Livestock futures look pretty sporty this morning. Today, we'll sort out some broad market questions I have. We'll talk fertilizer, and I just, I gotta say, I gotta say it. We'll talk turkey on this morning's AgriTalk. Live from a lonely Lorna Dune morning via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we'll begin with a conversation with Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Then it's our pal Josh Linville from Stonex, and later Greta Irwin from the Iowa Turkey Federation. I'm outstanding guest host Davis Michelson. Welcome to AgriTalk this morning, everyone. Chip is down in luxurious, sunny Florida. Uh, I know he's got a super full schedule, so it's not like he's just laying there on the beach or anything like that. Uh, he's a commodity classic. We will hear from him and some uh, really exciting guests this afternoon. You're definitely going to want to tune in. He's going to take over the helm once again in this afternoon's show, and the same will be the case with tomorrow Friday's afternoon show. We'll hear from Chip directly from Commodity Classic, see what he's come up with down there. Tomorrow morning, um, he'll sort of join us as as available as he's able for the Friday free-for-all, which will go on. Um, I will be what passes for a moderator for that deal tomorrow morning. This morning, I'm uh, I'm noticing kind of a trend that I want to talk to Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady, and it all started with my conversation with Dr. Jim Mintert. Jeez, was that was that just yesterday morning? It seems like uh, about exports and concerns, especially for corn exports. That concern um, <laughs> continued. And in fact, uh, increased a little bit with after my conversation with John Payne from Hedgepoint Global in the afternoon show yesterday. And now we've got an export sales report that raised my eyebrows. So I want to talk to Brian about that. And then just his general market thoughts. He's especially great on the livestocks. Uh, we're, we're watching closely the cash markets in the both the cattle and the hogs. I'd love to get his thoughts there um i ended yesterday's afternoon show talking about current retail fertilizer prices which are just about if they haven't already uh they're due for their uh their update from usda i want to check in with josh linville on the bigger picture fertilizer stuff uh i'm and i'm just going to be honest with you i'm confused about the russia situation because there are sanctions and stuff, but it, it, is, is Russia still exporting fertilizer? Where is that going? What about China? They used to send out all this urea, this this DAP, especially finished phosphates. Where is all of that? And then, of course, we got to talk about supplies for spring here in the United States. Looking forward to the conversation with Josh Linville. I, I am going to ask him specifically if a guy has been sort of holding out 
to uh, to make some fertilizer purchases does now seem like a time to maybe uh, end the holdout and go ahead and pull the trigger. And then Greta Irwin from the Iowa Turkey Federation. We had a conversation with her in November, and I just want to touch base with her uh, because there were some ideas that she started to flesh out and we didn't quite get to the end of, and it, it's going to be great to talk to her. Uh, Greta Irwin, looking forward to that conversation. In the meantime, let's... we. Oh, we got to get to the news. Uh, the USDA, World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates, that's your WASD, for 22-23 U.S. corn calls for lower exports and larger ending stocks. Exports were reduced by 75 million bushels to reflect the poor pace of sales and shipments this year, despite relatively competitive U.S. prices. Soybean supply and use changes for 22-23 include higher exports, lower crush, and reduced ending stocks compared with February as higher exports more than offset lower soybean crush. Ending stocks dropped 15 million bushels to 210 million. That would be the lowest in seven years. I certainly want to talk with Brian about some of these uh, report details because there wasn't a ton of stuff in there, but I feel like there were some items that are definitely uh, needing some attention and a little bit of discussion. Uh, here, get this. USDA weekly export sales data for the week ending March 2nd did not report any sales of U.S. corn, even though such purchases had been rumored in the mark uh, in the market. I, I want to clarify that with Brian and make sure that I read that right. I can't be right. No sales of U.S. corn? Really? We'll find out with Brian in the next seg. Uh, President Joe Biden will travel to the swing state of Pennsylvania this afternoon to unveil a federal budget plan with spending proposals and higher taxes on the wealthy that will form a blueprint for his expected 2024 re-election bid. I, I might even add the word controversial re-election bid. There, uh, it seems to be a bit of a divide forming on whether or not fans of President Biden and uh, other Democrats really want him to run all that badly or not. We'll have to wait and see what happens. At this point, it certainly seems like he's uh, he uh, he wants to run. The attorneys general from Nebraska and Iowa have noted the Environmental Protection Agency of their intent to file suit over year-round E-15 the filing comes after the agency delayed rulemaking on year-round E15 sales in eight Midwestern states. In other news, the Senate may be poised to join the House in passing a repeal of the controversial Waters of the U.S. rule from the EPA, even as the president threatens to veto that measure. House Ag members, including Iowa's Randy Feenstra, argue the Biden EPA rule rushed out in December ahead of an expected Supreme Court WOTUS decision is an unneeded burden on U.S. ag. He had this to say. Whether it be plowing, uh, moving a fence, putting in a fence, it is all now under the jurisdiction of the EPA, uh, which in essence could fine them if, if not done correctly or if they didn't get a permit. West Virginia's Shelley Moore Capito also calls the measure burdensome, saying this. Stop with the overregulation, the overburdensome rules that you put forward. Uh, Wotus continues to come under fire there. Uh, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said officials are keeping their options open over how much to raise interest rates this month. He was uh, testifying before Congress in uh, two different forums this week. 
The U.S. Department of Labor recently announced the final rule to amend H-2A temporary late labor certification regulations to better protect ag workers. It's also designed to update the H-2A application and temporary labor certification process. But not everyone in agriculture is happy with the rule. Western Growers Association President and CEO Dave Puglia says America's farmers are already stretched to the limit by rising costs and shrinking margins. The National Milk Producers Federation's Board of Directors unanimously endorsed a proposal to modernize the federal milk marketing order system at its March meeting. The plan to reinvigorate the FMMO system that guides milk pricing reflects an industry that's evolved significantly since the last comprehensive revamp in 2000. And finally, Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw will testify in on the Palestine, Ohio, East Palestine, Ohio train derailment at a Senate Environment and Public Works Committee hearing. He's expected to say he's sorry for the train wreck that spilled toxic chemicals in Ohio last month, and the company is determined to make it right, saying the company is committed to $20 million in reimbursements and other payments in East Palestine and is urgently working to remove waste from the area. We're going to dig into this export thing, talk about the reports and the meat markets, especially on the cash side with editor Brian Grady coming up next on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on Agritalk. You know, and just to be thorough, by the end of the show, we're going to also find out whose fence the turkeys are perched on. Greta Irwin from the Iowa Turkey Federation. Right now, I've got uh, Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Brian, uh, great to talk to you this morning. Uh, welcome to Agritalk, pal. Yeah, thanks, Davis. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, um, dude, I... I feel like we need to at least touch on the WASD report from yesterday. But first, bro, this week I keep I keep hearing about concerns over corn exports. Um, the exports were reduced, 75 million bushels in the WASD. I had Jim Minter talking about his Purdue University uh, Ag Economy Barometer. Farmers are worried about corn exports falling off. Uh, John Payne yesterday was talking about it. And now, help me, let me know if this is wrong, but did I read USDA weekly export sales data for weekend of March 2, no sales of U.S. corn? No, that, uh, there was, it was 1.241 million tons. Oh, yes. okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
Well, I'll back away from the ledge that way then. Beyond yeah. that, uh, there does seem to be some concern building for uh, export demand for U.S. corn. Are you in that camp or not so much? Yeah, actually, uh, I am Davis, and and uh, we we feel like uh, USDA didn't make a big enough cut uh, yesterday with the seventy five million bushels. So uh, we feel like that's uh, headed even lower uh, as we move forward, and uh, um, we need a you know we we need a big uh, response here from the the sharp price break on the the export side of things, and and uh, you know I guess this morning's uh, weekly sales are maybe a step in that direction, but we still have concerns on on that front. Well, are we okay? So, if prices maybe are going to uh, go on a little bit of a demand search here, would you care to speculate on on what that number might look like? Well, uh, you know, not it's not just exports, but uh, the ethanol pace also is, is struggling at the moment. Uh, we have a lower feed and residual use number plugged in, and and so all three of the major usage categories for corn uh, we have uh, lower than what USDA forecast yesterday uh, in our ending stocks uh, uh, forecast is higher as a result uh, we're at 1.410 billion bushels and, and so while it's still a, a relatively tight situation uh, the fundamental outlook for corn uh, old crop wise isn't uh, as friendly as what it was or as, as supportive as what it was and what happened here it almost feels like we've turned a corner and suddenly everybody's like oh no corn's way too expensive i mean the end user just sort of woke up one morning and was like, holy cow, is it, when did corn get, get to this level? Well, the clear sign yesterday, Davis, was that uh, USDA took the hatchet to, to Argentine production, and they mm -hmm. also cut U.S. exports. So clearly uh, they signal that uh, there's been demand destruction, and uh, you know I, I think that's playing out in the marketplace right now. Um, you know, it's hard to maintain these levels of prices for extended periods of time. Uh, if you go back to the the... 2010 to 2014 uh, period, uh, very similar. Uh, the the price patterns line up very similar with uh, 2020 to to current right now, and and maybe project out through 2024, uh, where we saw uh, prices fall off and and fall off pretty significantly. So history tells us that you just can't maintain these types of prices for extended periods of time. Well, and. It sounds like corn-growing weather this summer in corn-growing country is kind of up in the air, transitioning out of La Nina. We could be looking at a drier pattern, we hotter pattern. We could be looking at a wetter pattern. Um, do you have any clarity on that? Well, uh, World Weather uh, Incorporated, uh, they they say that uh, the transition period, uh, how quickly it is from from La Nina and uh, the Climate Prediction Center this morning said that La Nina is done and, and we're now into ENSO neutral. Uh, but how quickly that transitions from La Nina to neutral and then possibly to El Nino by the uh, the, the later on this summer uh, will be key in, in determining, uh, you know, the, the weather pattern. So you can get some La Nina-like conditions, which is warmer and drier, uh, even though you're transitioning to Anso Neutral and uh, El Nino, uh, if that transition period is quick. So it, it almost kind of feels like now is not a good time to get complacent with old crop corn marketings. 
Uh, you know, I, I think that you have to stay on top of, you have to, you know, reevaluate and, and yesterday's, uh, report while there weren't any, uh, significant changes, uh, there were enough indications that, uh, like I said, there's demand destruction. And, and, uh, so that changes things and the technical po posture is uh, quite a bit different. Uh, you know, the past couple of weeks have been pretty damaging for corn. Yeah, indeed. Um, as far as the, uh, WASD goes, it looks like ending stocks were pulled down to the lowest level in seven years. You know, I they they aren't as low as what they were previously forecast on corn, uh, and I think that that's the key here. Is that uh, we were looking at a tighter situation a couple months ago, uh, and because of that, uh, some of the demand reductions, the usage reductions, uh, you're now looking at a situation that isn't quite as tight. Still, still tight, but not as tight uh, on that front. Mm -hmm. Lower crush, reduced soybean ending stocks, uh, and higher soybean exports there. It feels like yeah, soybeans so, are moving in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side of things, I, I think that's the case. Now, um, we look at uh, crush and, and exports as, as just one usage component, uh, basically. It, it doesn't okay. matter because how that works is what isn't exported will be crushed and, and so on. And and so uh, that's kind of why we look at those two numbers together. Uh, you know, the net result yesterday was 15 million bushels of, of more use uh, in those two categories combined. Um, crush pulled down a little bit, uh, and that's been reflected so far uh in the crush paces uh that, that we've seen um the export numbers uh the export window remained open a little bit longer than what was anticipated uh, because of some of the soybean harvest delays down in brazil and uh, that allowed us to to increase the exports a little bit more uh switching gears what occupies more space in your brain uh let's just look at this week what has occupied more space in your brain the cash cattle market or the cash hog market Ooh, that's a good question. Um, yeah. So, two different things, I think. So, the cash hog market is climbing seasonally. It's just been a slow, methodical climb. Uh, the futures have been slow to respond to that, partly because they had uh, some premiums already built into those spring and summer month contracts. On the cattle side of things, uh, you know, we continue to push higher, and we're going to make new new highs in the cattle market, uh, both in futures and the cash market uh, this year. Uh, but the trader has been cautious toward the long side of the market, partly because we're in rarefied air. We've only been above these levels uh, one time in, in 2014 and 2015. So um, you get up to these price levels and, and it creates, uh, you know, just a little bit more trepidation, a uh, little less willingness on the trader's part to to be aggressive with their premiums in the futures over the cash. Are, how concerned are you with tightening cattle supplies going forward? Well, the tightening supplies are going to last, and this is going to play out for probably several more years uh, through 2023, for sure, uh, at least portions of, of 2024, and, and we'll have to see uh, how everything shakes out as we move forward, and, and possibly even a little bit longer than that. So, um, you know, th this is definitely a tightening cycle. A lot of heifers have mo been moved off of pasture into feedlots, and, and so we're going through that uh, longer-term uh, cycle right now in terms of uh, the numbers. So it it may be a while before I can have have those everyday ribeyes. It's going to trickle well, right you, down to the. You know what? Case, retail prices act. Yeah, retail yeah. prices aren't aren't bad actually uh, on the beef side of things. Uh, they, they they could be worse. Uh, the wholesale price is, is really strong, but what we saw is that retail prices ran up so much last year um, that they've actually backed off some. Uh, you know, the the retailers having to pay more 
at the wholesale level, but uh, they haven't passed that on at the moment uh, to the consumer. Hmm. Uh, we may not get to it because we'll have your market hit coming up right here uh, just in a moment. But uh, we've got crude oil higher and soybean oil lower. Is is the soybean oil a market that we can trust right now? Uh, soybean oil market is uh, is trying to find its identity at the moment. Uh, so last year we had the big run up on the biodiesel stuff and and everything, and, and the market got really excited, and, and we ran to uh, just spiked to, to major highs. Uh, we've come off of that high and and, uh, and euphoria and uh, coming back to reality a little bit more here. Uh, I still think the the biodiesel stuff is supportive longer term for soy oil. Uh, we're just uh, you know, like I said, we we've come off of that uh, euphoria a little bit and and back more to reality at the moment. Well, and apparently the plant over in uh, Shell Rock in your neck of the woods is is open for business. It sounds like they're taking beans on the on the river again. So, uh, you know, there's there's certainly demand for beans out there. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I kind of talked about that with the exports and the crush side of things. Yeah. So we are adding more crush capacity, and that's a, a positive. Um, you know, it, it, it's not going to be as quick as what the market anticipated to, it to be. Uh, I think that, you know, the trader in general just kind of magically thought that all those plants would just be open now. Uh, they're going to come online over the course of time. Uh, and in all likelihood, it's going to be a sim situation similar to what we saw in the ethanol industry, where we saw all these ethanol plants pop up and then some ended up closing, some were sold uh, for pennies on the dollar. Uh, yeah. So the efficiencies within the industry are going to dictate which ones survive and, and which ones don't, which ones are sold off and, and those types of things. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And sticking around is ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, we went through some, some broader issues within the grain markets. Um, let's dial it down to today's market action where we've got corn under some more pressure. Yeah, so uh, breakdown technically there. Uh, we traded a little bit firmer overnight uh, and uh, just couldn't sustain that during daytime trade despite the uh, the strong weekly export sales that I mentioned. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, this is a, a technical breakdown. It's not just in corn. It's pretty broad-based across the uh, the grain and soy markets. Uh, uh, soybeans, soy meal, soy oil, and the, the wheat complex, they're all under pressure this morning. So uh, bears are, are having their way here uh, at mid-session. Well, speaking of bears having their way, this morning earlier, the, uh, the live cattle looked like they were going to head higher, and now we're coming under, well, at least some light pressure. 
Yeah, just, just waiting on cash cattle trade to develop there, Davis. Uh, the, the full expectation is that the cash prices will be firmer again this week. But, uh, um, you know, I kind of mentioned it in the previous segment, uh, just some trepidation there on, on traders' part. Uh, they want to see uh, the cash, the higher cash prices confirmed uh, when you're trading at these price levels. Uh, so uh, not major pressure by any means there, just, just minor pausing. Well, and these nearby feeders look pretty okay this morning. Uh, April up, still holding up above 200. Yeah, so the feeder cattle market, uh, you know, it, today's gains are, are mild, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah. We've seen explosive price action in here recently. Uh, the cash feeder cattle market uh, is on fire, and, and that's fueling gains in the uh, the futures. And meanwhile, uh, well, the, the uh, front month April lean hog contract is down uh, 72 and a half cents, but back month contracts higher on the lean hogs today. Brian, thanks for your time this morning. Appreciate you, brother. Absolutely. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. And welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk as Chip is uh, down in Florida, Orlando to be specific, for the Commodity Classic. Uh, it sounds like he's uh, he's got some great stuff lined up for us this afternoon. I've seen the I've seen the batting order, and these are some heavy hitters, good people. You're definitely going to want to tune in for this afternoon's program, where Chip will be. I believe he's live this afternoon from uh, from Florida. Excited about that. Um, just a couple of thoughts while we're uh, we're working on uh, Josh Linville here um, from Brian. It you know the what sticks out to me from the conversation in the previous segment is the technical damage that's been done in the corn market and almost you know just sort of suddenly the the six handle doesn't doesn't really work for the end user anymore and that could be a problem. Now I was glad to uh, to find out that my news intern had gotten it wrong that there were in fact one million plus metric tons of corn sales reported in the week ended March two by USDA. That helps a little bit, but still, uh, Brian was agreed that the concern for future corn exports is indeed well placed, and that prices are probably going to have to go out and try and spur some demand the old fashioned way. By getting cheaper, and then on the uh, on the the biodiesel stuff, he's he's exactly right in that you, you can't just sort of snap your fingers and then suddenly there are biodiesel refineries. And even when there are the the uh, refineries built and put in place and ready to go, as with ethanol that we saw when that was a burgeoning industry it sort of takes time and it's it's a messy process you can't just flip a switch to on and suddenly there's an industry um there will be hits and misses and plants will be sold for pennies on the dollar and there will be questions and struggles but it's all part of the process of building a healthy industry and so we uh, we look forward to some some solid soybean demand longer term on that basis as far as the the cash markets go um man it it 
it was good to hear that the that that I can still afford a steak. You know, I mean, I I'm a pork guy. Love to eat my pork chops and loins and uh, bacon, of course. Where would we be without bacon? But uh, the the steaks, despite tightening cattle numbers, uh, and and John Payne mentioned it yesterday too. There is more than enough in frozen storage right now uh, on the meat side to satisfy demand. So um, things things look okay there, despite maybe some fundamentals that are a little bit spooky. Still waiting on Josh Linville. Um, so in case you missed it, let me go over the retail fertilizer numbers. These are the most recent ones, and I expect those to be updated uh, today, if not already. I haven't looked at the new numbers just yet. These are for Iowa and Illinois um, for the most recent week. We've got anhydrous lower, uh, DAP is a little higher, MAP lower, potash lower, 28% and 32% lower. Urea's down. Hey, even farm diesel is lower. Uh, so we're headed in the right direction, but those de- price declines are definitely starting to flatten out a little bit. Let me bring in Josh Linville from Stonex right now. Josh, good morning. It's great to talk to you. Hey, thanks for having me on. Can you hear me okay? There you go. I got you. Got you, buddy. Awesome. Hey, sorry about that. We're at the Commodity Classic down here in Orlando, Florida, and uh, it seems like everybody showed up and started using the Internet at the exact same time. <laughs> well, we're sure glad to have you. Um, uh, down at Commodity Classic. Nice. Um, so I'm I'm eyeing these. I haven't looked at USDA's retail numbers. I'm eyeballing the decline, which is kind of running counter seasonally on the retail side, and it looks like it's starting to flatten some pretty aggressive declines over the last few reports. This last most recent report, kind of lower, but it's, it's looking a little bit sketchy to me price-wise. Um, it feels like if a guy's been waiting, it might be time to pull the trigger. Your thoughts? I think it's time. Uh, and frankly, when you look at the calendar, we're out of time. You know, mm-hmm. we are sitting here. It's We're not that far away from mid-March. And so if it's a, a person is going to plan on putting something on this spring, or at least through pre-plant, I think it's time to step in and start getting that stuff locked up because the worst case scenario is the entire marketplace steps up at the same time. You know, like you've just been talking about, prices have been sliding, prices have been under pressure. What do we do as a buyer? We wait. Well, right. so is a retail sector. They can't take that kind of risk. They can't take that kind of price loss. Um, so if the entire market steps in at the same time, Imagine the pressure that puts on the marketplace, how difficult it would be to get the product in time. But yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those situations where it's counter seasonal. This isn't something we're used to. We're a very structured market where prices usually head up as we go into spring. So this is really throwing everybody for a curve. I was talking to a couple of farmers yesterday on the morning show. Their greatest concern is for liquid 32%. Do you share that concern? Uh, from a are they, from a price perspective or from a supply perspective? Well, both in one case. I would say from a supply perspective, I'm not concerned. Uh, in fact, we just got the updated uh, import-export numbers through uh, January of this year. The, the U.S. government released that data 60 days after the fact, so we just got information for January. Our UAE import numbers were phenomenally high. And a lot of those tons actually came from Russia, of all places out there. So from a supply perspective, I'm not as concerned. Maybe there's a little bit of an in-season, are they in the right place, question mark, that we have to answer. Um, as far as prices being under the pressure, again, it's kind of a pre-plant uh, side dress situation. 
pre-plant, I think we need to be jumping onto it to make sure that project is where we need it to be so we can get on the field when we're ready to go. Okay. Side dress, it's starting to look like we can see prices slide a little bit more. There's still some pressure out there. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, in, in case you didn't quite catch it, yeah, for uh, pre-plant, best get on the stick. Side dress, if you got to wait, you know, maybe uh, a, a 32% is something that, that you could hold on. Um, I'm confused on the Russia situation. You just said we we got a ton of, of of stuff from from Russia recently. Are there fertilizer exports going to continue pretty much in perpetuity here, un, uninterrupted? I'm not going to guarantee that's the case. A lot of it depends on Russia's approach as we go forward. Are they going to continue to advance in Ukraine? Are they going to continue to escalate and get to a point where all of a sudden we see sanctions as tough as what we've seen against Iran? What the world, uh, for those that are looking for prices to go up and seeing Russia as a situation, what they need to see is Russia be shut off, not Russia going to different countries, not Russia doing something a little bit different. Because let's say they're normally going to the U.S. and all of a sudden they stop going to the U.S., but they start going to Brazil, they start going to India. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're still exporting normal numbers, the global S&D doesn't change. It just changes the chessboard a little bit, if you will. But if we do see very, very hard sanctions, all of a sudden the U.S. government starts going to places they've been sending to, like India, like Brazil, even here to the U.S. Like I said, we've been, uh, when you look at July through January, we've imported almost 1.2 million tons of UAN since that period. The highest that was uh, that we've had in recent history was back in 2020, and it was uh, less than 900,000 tons. So it's really a matter of, are the sanctions against them hard enough to actually block the export? That's what truly matters. Switch us over to China, um, a global leader in urea exports not too long ago, even phosphates. Um, they, they've assumed a, a position of encouraging domestic corn production, domestic grain production in general, and cut back on their exports. Are we going to see Chinese supplies return to their once robust levels, or is this just what it is now? I'm beginning to lean more towards this is just what it is now. Uh, the Chinese government, it seems that they have adopted more of a mentality of we don't need to provide energy to the world. And when you look at it, fertilizer is very much an energy product. So when they look at it, they're saying there's no reason we need to go back to supplying fertilizer to the entire globe. We just need to make enough to take care of ourselves. And when we saw their production ramp up to where they are the major exporter, that was never in the plans for the if you would, the overall strategy of China. They just overshot their mark and they had to export in order to make it go somewhere. So I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if they don't pull back, if they don't start sitting there exporting even less. They're going to send some stuff to the key partners, right? They're going to go to neighbors. They're going to go to some countries to support them. But I don't think we see them return to their former glory. Now, it's China. We don't know. Uh, As soon as we think we have a key or a, a beat on what's going on there, they completely disrupt that. But today, right. that's where our kind of mentality is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how much you, you keep up on the agronomy and general soil health in the Midwestern U.S., but uh, it sounds like potash is extremely well-supplied and perhaps even oversupplied here in the North American market. Yeah, and that's a, that is a situation where demand finally had their say. Eventually, in all markets, demand eventually figures it out. Demand dictates the marketplace. And we have seen that across the Midwest for several seasons in a row now. 
farmers looked at the price of potash and they looked at the price of grains and they said, I love the price of grain, but my God, potash is high priced. I don't need to buy this. I can go without. I've got good levels of my soil. I can cut back my application rates and still maintain optimal yield. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to cut back until better days. And we've seen that multiple seasons in a row in those inventories that just continue to grow and grow and grow. And in fact, we've seen potash prices, at least from a wholesale trade level, we've seen them down nearly every single week since late March, early April last year. Almost a year now. Uh, One final question. How's the weather down there in Orlando? You loving it? Do you want me to depress you or not? Because if so, (laughs) it is absolutely gorgeous. It's like 75, 80 degrees, blue skies. I actually got in a day early because that's how my flight is worked out. I got to spend yesterday outside. I'm not going to lie. I'm really looking forward to spring now. That is outstanding, (laughs) brother. Josh, thank you so much for endeavoring to contact with us and uh, great information. I appreciate you, brother. Josh Linville from Stonex. And uh, we'll be back with Greta Irwin from the Iowa Turkey Federation to, yeah, I'll say it, talk turkey right here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. And welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. Davis Michelson here in for Chip Flory. We'll have plenty from Chip this afternoon. Looking forward to it. Um, right now, let me bring in from the Iowa Turkey Federation, Greta Irwin. Greta, welcome to Agritalk. Thank you for uh, for joining us. I know she's there. Don't be shy. Greta? Mm, The button pushing, apparently, isn't working in our favor. Greta Irwin from the Iowa Turkey Federation. I do want to talk uh, producer profitability with her and find out just what is the deal with uh, the turkey producers in Iowa and see how broadly we can spread that out across the midwest uh john have we got greta that feels like a no okay uh well let me recap the conversation with josh linville um interesting to note that russia is is still exporting fertilizers and in fact uh rather aggressively according to the most recent export figures that Josh looked at, uh, which were delayed 60 days, which is 
inconvenient at best. Uh, but still sending out UAN, which is awesome because our guys were a little concerned with that on uh, Wednesday morning for the Farmer Forum. Not sure about availability or price on UAN, 32%. So once again, to clarify, Josh's thought was uh, there should be plenty around. Uh, however, uh, 32% I'm talking about now, 32% should be plenty around. Um, probably best get on the stick for pre-plant applications. Go ahead and get hooked in. But when we're talking side dress stuff, because of those incoming Russian supplies, to maybe that's one that you could sit back and wait just a little bit on. Um, not a ton of urgency on locking in side-dressed UAN 32%. John, any word on Greta right now before I move on? We are working on her. Okay. All right. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So beyond that, well, and, and potash too. It sounds like he's he's not real nervous about potash. Um, but as far as the rest go, I'm talking anhydrous, um, and phosphates, especially, and looking, looking over to urea in case there are spring urea users out there. Uh, the, it does look like we're headed for a bounce here and the retail markets will, will show us the way here. But as far as the wait and see approach, it does look like that time might be over and the smart money, if you haven't booked is to go ahead and pull the trigger now. Now, I do know, um, and especially after having talked to uh, Luke Lordson and Nick Ehlers on the Farmer Forum Wednesday morning, um, that there was some, would you call it aggression? There were some pretty weighty nitrogen applications in the fall of, of last year, which will eliminate the use and might be partly to thank for the lower prices coming in to spring pre-plant applications, um, but be that as it may, again, as I said with Brian on the corn market, let's not get complacent here. Let's not just make assumptions that uh, everything is going to continue to go lower because that may not be the case. Now, when we're talking about, the, okay, so here's the argument, though. Well, corn and fertilizer prices follow each other. Brian was Brian Grady talking about the technical damage done in the corn market. We continue to see a downtrending market in corn. Now that makes you wonder, huh? If uh, if fertilizer and corn are tied together, and corn has done some technical damage and headed lower, maybe we'll see that on fertilizer. I don't know. We're gonna have to talk about this some more. I'm getting the uh, getting the flag here, Greta Irwin, perhaps Greta. Hmm. Well, still working on Greta Irwin from the Iowa Turkey Federation. We may not be able to get her. My my apologies, everybody. And if not, well, I definitely want to talk to her. This is great stuff. Well, avian influenza is a thing. Uh, feed demand is a thing. I want to talk about this. Current status and potential vaccination programs in reference to that avian influenza. These are all things that I really feel like... Um, we need to find some answers to and and discuss a little bit and not only that but also the future of the turkey industry you know how how does the turkey industry uh, attract the next generation of producers or retain those next generation of producers that's a question succession planning and all that sort of stuff that is ubiquitous to the entire ag community how do we keep these kids on the farm 
um, and and keep them out here producing and making the food, the fuel, and the fiber that America needs to keep running. It's it's a question in every industry. Boy, that sounds like somebody's there. Greta, is that you? Okay, John, I think we just we're just gonna need to move on. Um with that, you know what? There's one more news story. I'm just gonna default to this here because we didn't quite get to it. Um uh, I wrote a story based on the thoughts by Seymour Hirsch, who had said, Yeah, you know what, the US bombed the Nord Stream pipeline. He put together a whole thing. Um, there was uh, a, another journalist who sort of poked holes in it and said, yeah, maybe the U.S. did it, but not the way that Hirsch said that he did. Now here's this story this morning. U.S. officials are probing whether a pro-Ukrainian group had a role in the attack on the Nord Stream natural gas pipeline. A senior official said the assessment is not definitive but it adds to the growing sense among investigators in the U.S. and Europe that neither Russian government nor pro-Russian operatives were behind last year's attack on the pipeline in the Baltic Sea. Well, and I, okay, so it was a pro-Ukrainian group, and it was neither the Russian government nor pro-Russian operatives. Well, uh, uh, of course, it, it sort of goes without saying that Russia is not going to bomb its own Nord Stream pipeline, of course. But um, exactly who... Well, that's a that's a bigger question. Uh, this afternoon, we've uh, we've got Chip back. Uh, apologies to Greta Irwin. I don't know what happened with the system there. Apologies. We are going to get her back. Uh, this afternoon, Chip will have Steve Nicholson from Robbo, Rick Brock from the Brock Report, and Brian Doherty from Total Farm Marketing live from down at Commodity Classic. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Brian Grady, Josh Linville, and sorry, Greta Irwin. We're, we'll get her back. We'll get her back, everybody, and we'll talk turkey another day. I just had to say it one more time. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk to you this afternoon on AgriTalk.